Welcome to the Fully Express podcast with Karenna. I am really looking forward to today's conversation because of the feedback that I've received over the last couple of weeks after sharing that I'm getting my breast implants removed. And if you listened to the last podcast episode, I did share that this podcast episode was coming. If you haven't got a chance to listen to previous episodes, I did share that I am getting my breast implants removed. I'm not getting them specifically removed for breast implant illness. It's because of the choice of coming back to my body and like fully, fully just owning my body again and like falling in love with my like raw and juiciest self. But a lot of the feedback that I got from the listeners on this at last episode was just asking me questions of like, I admire how much in love you are with your body, how confident you are in your body, how expressive you are. And so I felt like it was absolutely necessary to invite this very special guest, Sydney, which how do I pronounce your last name, Sydney? I meant to ask you that. Robolata. That's a new thing in my life. I've never had a confusing last name until I got married three years ago and now people ask me how to pronounce my last name. It's Robolata. Okay. So Robolata. So Sydney Robolata is on the call with us or on the interview with us. And let me tell you just a little bit of how I met Sydney. So we got brought together by another friend. We went to go support another friend at her photo shoot and she was at the photo shoot. And in the glimpse of the little conversation that I heard you speak, I was like, ooh, I need to talk to her a little bit more. She introduced herself as someone that helps women with their bodies, like falling in love with their bodies and fully feeling confident in their bodies. And I was like, girl, I've been on that journey and I need to hear more about you and your story. And as we were walking out to our cars, we just spent like a few minutes just going back and forth. And I was like, I think I'm going to get to spend more time with her sometime soon. And she was one of the first people, if the first person wanted to come on here. So hi, Sydney. How are you? I'm so good. It is such an honor to be one of, if not your first guest on your word. Amazing. That's so exciting. I'm so excited. Well, you were the first person to talk about this subject. Like I've had other guests on the podcast, but I knew I was like, Based off her content and her energy, it feels really good to have you on the episode. So thank you so much for just saying yes to being here on such short timing because we kind of pulled this off in the last week. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure. And I'm so glad that you wanted me on for this topic specifically, not because I have breast implants or anything, but it's something that I, I don't know, boobs have just been such a like theme in my life, wanting them or like them getting in the way of stuff. Or like I grew up with a mom who got multiple breast implant surgeries. And um, I also on the Body I Love You podcast, I interviewed someone who did struggle with breast implant illness. Mm -hmm. And she was struggling heavily for years. And what I realized in that interview and that conversation is that this is something that is not talked about nearly enough and something that so many people are struggling with. So truly, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. I I want people to start having these conversations more. I think the breast implant, the breast implants is such interesting topic. It's not just about the breast implants. It's not just about breast implant illness. It's just like, yeah. I mean, I shared so much on the episode about my insecurities about it, like my insecurities with my body and how they came to life and how I, I decided to like move forward with them. And it just highlighted so many other wounds that I made that decision from, yeah. if that makes sense, which I think is even a much, it's such a big conversation just as much. So with that being said, I would love for you to share, like, who are you? What do you do? How do you show up in this world? And how do you work with, I think women specifically, I don't know if you work with men too, but if you, how do you work with humans on how to feel more confident in their bodies and more in love with their bodies? Yeah. So this has been such a 
project of love for such a long time. I I'm a life coach. That's that's kind of like the the first title that I give to people. And before I went specifically for coaching women around body image specifically. Uh, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know, floated around coaching everywhere. I am someone who struggles with depression and anxiety. And it was after my first coachings, actually my second coaching certification that that really kind of came to a head. It was like, something has to change. I have to do something about this. I almost quit coaching because I didn't think that being a depressed coach was a thing. <laughs> I didn't think I was like allowed. Uh, and it really was like leaning into, I don't know, just like my shadows and my darkness. Cause cause I know that those are the things that make me juicy and relatable. I love when you use the word juicy earlier. That's why I like smiled because it's it's just such a cool word. But I I created Body I Love You because I feel like this is a conversation that impacts everyone. And to answer your question, I, I do work with women and I hope to one day work with all humans because this is something that impacts literally everyone with a body. And I noticed that there was just, I don't know, kind of a disconnect for me with what I saw on the internet or like social media and this is not dissing in any way shape or form other coaches everyone's flavor of coaching is valuable to someone but i just noticed that there was something missing for me because i noticed it was a lot of like you just gotta be grateful for your body and i'm like cool totally but i hate it i i don't not so i don't know how to just like magically snap my fingers and and for that to happen what i realized in my journey is there were a lot of steps to take before gratitude was even accessible to me (laughs) and co-created this course with a friend of mine. And I'll just kind of dive into vulnerability off the bat because that's what I'm about. And I know that that's... Yeah, I'm here but... for it. Anything you want to share. Let's... Yeah. It's just, if, if I'm being honest, this is a huge part of, of my story and how we got here. But um, I was very good friends with a coach and she also teaches dance fitness and, and twerking and, and all that stuff. And during uh, quarantine and COVID and stuff, she took her classes virtually. So I kind of got to take them. Before that, a few years ago, I had was a victim of sexual assault. Had no idea how that was going to impact me and impact my relationship to my body, my relationship to my partner, my relationship to sex and my own sexuality and sensuality. I just nothing could have prepared me for that. For the longest time, I had to like re-get to know my body again. I had to like learn my style again. I was telling you, Karina, when we were chatting about this before, like I'm always someone who, I don't know, I love like form-fitting clothing. I enjoy embracing my curves. That's fun for me. And after this, I just like, it didn't feel safe to dress like that anymore. And I I would change by myself with the lights off in the bathroom. Like my fiance would just like be in the house. It just, I was so uncomfortable having a body with my body, feeling sexual in my body. I, and I'm sure we'll get to this in conversation, but you know, when women are curvier or have bigger boobs or bigger butts, that's kind of something that we can't really turn off. And it's sometimes it feels unsafe to feel inherently sexual for just existing in the skin that you're in. And that sucks. That sucks a lot. And uh, in the healing process, there were so many times in doing these like dance fitness classes because there's the sexy. We're learning sexy dances in these classes. I've been, I love sexy dances. I started, I started taking some. I don't know if you've heard of Madhouse in San Diego. No, no. Oh my God, girl, we got to go. To go, but I started taking them and it was truly meant to step into my sexuality, like be in my body, like step into my sexiness and like find what that rhythm looked like for me yes. in that. So I'm so happy and I'm most excited to hear that that was one of your initial steps in this journey of like finding your body again through dancing and through 
sexy dancing and just twerking and just being like, I don't know if you did floor work or any of that, but like, that's so cool that that was like the first set for you. 100%. And it was such an evolution. It wasn't like I did it and I was like, ah, oh, this feels unsafe. Let me do it anyway. There were a number of times I had to turn my camera off and I would sit in the corner hyperventilating because I'm like, I can't even fucking dance. How annoying that I can't dance. How annoying that the person like took this away from me. And there was there was finally a session where I like did all the dance moves and I felt sexy doing all the dance moves. And not just that, but I even shared this after the class. I was like, I felt safe feeling sexy today and like, whoa. And also it was just a virtual room filled with women. And that felt really cool to feel safe, feeling sexy in front of other women and for like men to not, wasn't designed, it wasn't for men. And that felt weird and empowering in like this whole new way. <laughs> so we just, I don't know. Yeah, we we kind of formulated this six week course of all these kind of non-negotiable things that we thought were so important when it comes to falling unconditionally in love with your body. And full disclosure, we don't talk about exercise. We don't talk about dieting. We don't talk about any of that stuff. We're talking about learning how to communicate with your body, learning what it sounds like when your body is communicating with you. And like, what does it look like to build that muscle moving forward? We talk about boundaries and forgiveness and how to like forgive yourself and other people and how to like set boundaries because that is a muscle that people need to learn. We talk about vulnerability and shame and sex and intimacy. And then we talk about gratitude and celebration because those are huge pieces of the of the equation. But for me, yeah, I just noticed there was so much work that I needed to do before I even entertained the idea of, of getting there. So Body I Love You, we call it Billy for short. It's such a passion project of mine and I love it so much. And since I got to I got to train up three other coaches so that other people are able to facilitate it too. And it's just been such a, a healing journey. My mom actually took the course with other coaches and she loved it so much. She took it twice, which is crazy. And so many of my body image issues I got from my mom and watching my mom. So it's healed my relationship with her in more ways than I thought was possible. It's just, it's the honor of my life coaching women through this journey for sure. There's so much. I also, I mean, I can relate to that, especially the mom thing. Like I, I definitely inherited a lot of my mom's insecurities. Yeah. By all means, I know she listens to this podcast. Like I know she didn't intentionally give those to me, which is the other thing. Like I know deep down, like she wasn't like, I'm doing this so you can take this, right? Like at the time, those were first. She was living in her own thing and I was just absorbing that experience. Something else that you shared that I thought was really important is like, especially especially when we were talking last week and kind of catching up about just this episode and you, you did share that with the classes that you took, um, you kept showing up even though you didn't feel safe and you kept putting yourself in a situation which would, you know, hopefully transcend into feeling body and feeling safe in your body. And I can, I would love to hear a little bit about that because I can totally relate, like, especially with mine, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It wasn't something that like I was just waiting one day to feel comfortable in, you know, and I lived at least personally for me, like I lived in this like one day I feel confident and the next day I feel like it would affect my whole mood and everything like I would never feel like that. And um, it took very dedicated intention to want to find that safety in my body, to build that relationship with my body. It wasn't something that just like one day walked in the door and I was like, OK, it's here forever. And so it was like a constant practice. And so I'd love to know about like, how was that for you as you were wanting to find your sexuality again, especially after the abuse? Like, 
how did you even get to a place of desiring that, wanting that for yourself or committing to yourself about that? Oh my God, so many things. The first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is I, when I was assaulted, I had had my coaching toolbox in my life. Like I was a coach at that point. It wasn't like all this stuff happened. And then I, you know, tracked down a transformational path. So it was, I, I think when people do transformational work or when they decide to do the work or work with a coach or a therapist or whatever it is, we do it with this intention of like, my life is going to be so incredible and amazing. And is that true for many people? Yes. Does that mean that terrible things aren't going to happen to you? Absolutely. Nobody is rid of that. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. But the thing is, is if I didn't have the brain that I had or the tools that I had or the muscles that I'd worked so hard to strengthen, how that all went down would have looked so different. And I feel like there was a part of me that was fighting like hell for myself. And that's so weird to say because not only was I traumatized by what happened, but I've had depression since I was very young. So it's you better believe that trauma like that is triggering that. And fighting like hell in a mind that is depressed seems like such an oxymoron. It's like not something that happens. But fighting like hell looked different every single day. And like even with the the virtual classes, there was one time, God, I remember this one time so well, I was like, before signing on, I was just crying because I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. This doesn't sound fun or cool. This, None of this, all of this sucks. Like, I don't want to do any of this. And I just remember for the whole class, I just logged in and I kept my camera off and I kept my microphone off and I didn't even stand up to do any that. I just sat there staring at the screen, watching all these other girls like get their groove on. And I was crying the whole time. And I don't know. There was just something in that moment that was like, this is what showing up looks like today. And this is enough. And that's more than okay. Like, look at you. Like, look at what you're doing. I remember less than a month after I was calling in to get into wait list to talk to therapists specifically trained for this. And I literally remember hearing a voice in the background when I'm like on hold for 45 minutes, which I don't want to be scheduling this thing that I don't want to schedule to talk about this thing that I don't want to talk about. Like, it was just, it was, there was such a voice in my head that's like, yep, all of this is actually mandatory for you to get on the other side of this. Like, you know, more than anyone else, you have to talk your shit through. You have to do things about your stuff. Like, you actually have to because you are committed to loving your life and loving your body and just like being and feeling free. And in terms of the like feeling sexual and sensual, that is Oh God, an entire other story. We could talk. <laughs> we'll we'll wait for another episode for that. But I want to be transparent. I, I I wasn't touchable for my partner for roughly eight months, and bless his heart, he never made me feel bad any way, shape, or form about that. He he was just such a supportive rock star. But it took time and patience, and what showing up for myself looked a little different every day, and it was really just about meeting myself where I was at and just doing the best that I could. And sometimes that looked like these big grandiose things. And sometimes it looked like sitting with my camera off, just crying and just being there. And that was extraordinarily valuable. Well, I got a little emotional when you were saying that just because like I can totally thanks for sharing that because I can totally relate. Like, I don't think I'd be where I am with my body if I did not fight for myself. Yeah. You know, like and fighting for yourself looks so differently to everyone else on the outside, but you know what it looks like for you. And that's the only thing that matters, right? Like 
no one needs to truly understand why you're doing the things you're doing or why you're setting, why you're working with this person in this way or why you decided to do it in this way. Like all that it matters is that you're fighting for yourself. And so I can totally, totally resonate and feel that. So thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, you know, it's just so beautiful to see that you now help other people get to do that too. It's the coolest thing. And to do so without mentioning, you know, like diet obsessed kind of mentality feels like a glorious act of rebellion. <laughs> it is extremely satisfying. Oh my gosh, diet free. Damn, I love it. I don't even follow a diet. I don't care for diets. I mean, it's it's such a different place to come from a place of like body, I love you. Like I love your the name of the program that you have because when you come from the place of like, I love my body. Like that, that love towards your body looks so differently. It's not like I'm doing this thing to fix you. I'm not doing this thing to change you. I'm not doing this thing to hide, to hide you. I'm not doing this thing to compare you to something, right? It's so much more from a place of like, how can I take care of you? What do you need right now? What would help you make you feel safe? What kinds of foods make you feel good? What kinds of foods make you feel energized? What kind of clothing like gives you the the feeling of feeling great in your in your body, right? Like 100%. And even just the, the individualism of what you're referring to, what kind of food makes me feel good? Because Corinna, foods that make me feel good might not make you feel, and vice versa. And I, I think that people lose that over time. We I don't know, we've just adopted this idea that health looks like one very specific thing and we've been scammed because it's not true. And the diets that we're being advertised literally aren't designed to last forever. If you if you take 15 minutes to do a little research, you'll see that they're literally not designed to. We we are being actively advertised towards for this thing that is supposed to give us this fix that we're supposed to want for a short period of time. And then a vast majority of people not only gain the weight back, but a vast majority of people of those people actually gain back more weight than what they lost in the first place, which just perpetuates this hamster wheel of a lifestyle of losing weight, hating yourself, getting so resentful for diets and just binging or, you know, whatever your flavor with coping is. Yeah. Yeah. Of coping. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just over and over and over again. I know that you, I heard on, I don't know too much about it, but I, on your podcast that I listened to, you mentioned growing up with an eating disorder and I myself didn't you know, dabble in any one specific eating. It was kind of, I don't know, I I experimented with a lot of things growing up. My thing was more disordered eating of I was a compulsive overeater. Used to go to Overeaters Anonymous for that. I I thought I was broken and unfixable and that did so many things until it didn't. I think that's one of the things that I feel most excited to talk to you about today, which is how we do get so disconnected from ourselves. And like before, when we were talking about where are you choosing from? Anytime I was trying to, to lose weight or look a specific way or, or whatever, I was never choosing from, because this feels like my most authentic self. I was choosing from like, because this is what will make me the hottest thing and the most lovable. And this will make my mom proud. And this will make all the boys want me and all the girls want me. And you know, like it's, there's just kind of like, we all just want to be loved and seen and heard And it shows up in just all of these different ways with us changing the way that we look. And no judgment. Everyone's body is their own. And I know that you are huge on that, too. I know that the topic of conversation here isn't never get breast implants or if you have 
gotten them. No, you should be ashamed. It's not that at all. But it's a valuable conversation to look. Where was I choosing from? Where am I choosing from? What is this giving to me? Getting curious about if it's taking anything away from you. Because I know that you mentioned too, like you noticed, you noticed things, you noticed certain symptoms that maybe weren't sitting right with you. And that is a value. That's your body communicating with you. I know I don't need to tell you that like that is highly valuable information. Totally. And something that I would like lean into from like choosing from that's always been at least super helpful for me is like, how do I say this? If I'm choosing from a place like choosing from a place of wounding or insecurity or wanting to look a certain way to prove something to someone else or what society comes up from, usually I'm ignoring all of the stuff that comes along with that along the side. And again, this is I think it's truly I think, you know, the goal with like Body I Love You and which I love your freaking program and I'm not speaking for your program. It's just such a great line. Thanks. Is I like, so too. It's creating this like healthy relationship with your body where your body is communicating with you. Like you were saying, what do I need in this moment? What feels good to me in this moment? What's the most authentic thing to me? And the other things like societal expectations, what people think it looks pretty, what health looks like does not answer the questions of what your body needs, right? Like when you were saying like health, doesn't look a certain way. I truly believe that. But health yeah. does feel a certain way. Like health, he- healthy feels good. Like it feels nourished. It feels grounded. It feels authentic. It feels alive. It doesn't feel draining. And any single time that I like, if you, at least for me, like any time that I chose from a place of wounding, somehow I was left even more insecure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really unhealthy. My energy levels were all over the place. My body was communicating to me all this other pain that I was not listening to. And when I come from a place of like, what do you need? My body's like, thank you. Yeah. Yes. And it's, you feel your body thanking you, which is a sensation that I've had a lot of trouble describing actually, but it is this visceral think that you are like in communication and in contact with and you said something of like choosing from wounding which is so true and one of the things that I learned is that even just that concept of knowing that you're choosing from learning dare I say that's probably one of the more core layers of the onion I don't think people are like I'm choosing from wounding like they I realize that yeah 100%. And I think the thing that that kind of disguises itself as for so many people is like, this is just the way things are. Of course, I'm trying to lose weight. Everyone's trying to lose weight. Everyone wants to lose weight. Everyone wants to look their best selves. And we kind of looking your best self is synonymous always with losing weight. Notice that? Interesting. But it's, it's just so normalized. And we say we do it in the name of health, yet there's so many people whose bodies we idolize and they have straight up come out saying, my diet is coffee and cigarettes. Like I am not the epitome of health. Like I'm probably not the thing there. We've even had so many conversations in Billy or I've even had so many conversations in my personal life where like, I, I remember this happened to me. I confronted a friend once in high school and other people have related to this, but where you confront a friend and you're like, Hey, you know, I noticed that you're um, losing weight at pretty rapid pace. I just want to kind of check in with you and make sure you're okay. Like genuine concern. And that's received as like flattery. Like, oh my God, stop. You think I look so skinny that you're worried about me? Sick. And like people get like flattered or like excited by that. So again, we say we do it for health, but we're willing to achieve it through wildly unhealthy matters. And it just, it's, 
it's not true. It's just an, another thing that it's like, of course, you're you're doing this for your health. Your health is worth investing in. And like, I think mean, that's happening. Totally. And I also think that's a little bit of diet culture, though. Like that's, oh, it's all 100%. Like that's kind of what I did. I mean, when I talk about disordered eating or choosing my health from other things, like I counted macros because I wanted to look a certain way, but I wanted to yeah. look healthy and strong. I did not saying that this is it's not bad that you're doing any of these things. That's the other thing I want to say, like, for any matter for something, like, there's nothing wrong if you count macros. There's nothing wrong if you do vegan. There's nothing wrong if you go vegetarian. There's nothing wrong if you do the omni like, omnivore diet, whatever diet you're choosing. There's nothing wrong with any of them. It's just, for example, for me, like, I chose them because I thought they would make me look a certain way. I yeah. chose them because I thought they would make me skinnier. Like, especially when I went vegan or vegetarian, like, I literally just... I was talking to a friend about this yesterday at the beach. Like I chose those diets because I want to look a certain way and I thought they were healthy and I mask it as like, it's healthy to eat vegan or it's healthy to eat vegetarian. And that's how a lot of the diets persuade themselves is like, this is the right way to eating. Yeah. And I chose it from a place of like, oh, it's going to make me look skinnier. Maybe I'm going to lose the weight that I need to lose or blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, those diets specifically left me chronically lethargic chronically exhausted like my hormones got messed up and i kept doing them because society or instagram or podcast said that this is the way of eating yeah. versus trying to beat my body where it was at like what did it actually need and when it comes to diets like what i've learned in like styled eating like the way that just even like holistic support or not just support like specific supplements work for specific people Based off your biological like things that your body needs, right? That your body needs, yeah. That your body, yeah. Like not anyone's body, and that is something. It's such a layer to peel that we're like starting to peel, because if you can come from a place of what does my body need? Oh, my liver is not working very well. Okay, so I need to eat prop like eat foods that support my liver or this and that to make me feel better because my body's going to feel more nourished and more supported. That's coming from a very loving place, but it's very difficult to like navigate those thoughts unless you start to see them how do i say them? you start to witness that there has to be another way i think that's the other thing that i learned there was always this this i had this voice in my other head that i was like there has to be another way i yeah. can't be on this rat race this up and down like there has to be another way and i listened to that voice yeah uh, there has to be another way and I didn't think that there was a, I thought I was addicted to food and I would go weekly and in a room with people who told me that I was addicted to food and that inherently overeaters anonymous that there's not like a right way to do it, but there's like a kind of like wink, like you should probably do it this way. It's like no, no carbs or very low carbs and like no sugar is how overeaters anonymous solves their issues. It's they like essentially like want you to go on this diet and I can't. So again, I would compulsively overeat and i would and i'm not just talking about i'm so stuffed i would eat until i couldn't stand up straight on so many occasions and i it was always because i was on some form of restrictive diet and i would get so over it and just so like it would either be like this isn't working meaning i'm not losing 10 pounds a day ah so annoying that i would just kind of ditch it or if i was succeeding i was like the the two-week champion i would like crush something for two weeks and then after that i was like not and I, after two weeks i would just i would really go for it and i would eat these foods that i wasn't quote unquote allowed to eat 
And because I was in this brain space that like, I'm not allowed to eat this stuff. Today's the only day. Today's the only day I'm allowed to eat this stuff. You better believe I'm going to finish this entire pizza in one sitting and this entire tub of ice cream and all this stuff. And it's it's so interesting because I think something that is not introduced into the kind of like health sphere is the idea of what it looks like to enjoy sugar and what it looks like to enjoy carbs or whatever. And one of my Body I Love You coaches, her name's Leah Horton. She's an, an anti-diet health coach and she really has a health at every size kind of mission. And I learned so much about intuitive eating from her. And being a compulsive overeater and daring to jump into the intuitive eating world to say it's terrifying is an understatement there's no you you it's so scary to take the rails off that you've convinced yourself for decades that you absolutely need and um it was so scary to go to what i learned was everything that we're putting in our bodies has some form of reaction and that's not an emotional statement it's science you know that like it's literally sad when i eat an orange certain things happen in my body when i eat sugar certain things happen in my body like whatever and I am also human from planet Earth who has had an entire lifetime where, yeah, I've I've coped with fast food or I've coped with sugar or I've coped with pizza or whatever it is. And I am actually where I'm at in my health journey right now, restricting myself of those things doesn't serve me. It actually hurts me more than it serves me. So it's so interesting eating and feeling your body from that place because you just notice the impact. I really cool moment last December because December is always such a shit show for people. They're like, nobody bring me the sweet treats and then they like have to eat it like someone's forcing them to and then one turns into five and then you go down a shame spiral and then the same thing happens a day from now and i used to fully go down that shame spiral so much and i just i would hate going to holiday parties because i would just think that people would look at my weight and assume that i'm not doing well and i would just feel bloated and tired and sick and all this stuff and last december i was like okay we're intuitive eating now so if we see a sweet treat and intuitively we want it go for that shit the only rule is you have to enjoy it if you're not enjoying it what the fuck is the point so like just enjoy it and cool and gravy and so i did that it was incredible and i loved it and truly everything that i ate was incredible and amazing and pure scientific putting my slightest goggles on observation i noticed i had joint pain coming back and i noticed my energy levels were going down a little bit those were i think the two big things that i noticed so it was just, again, not going from shame or judgment of like, ugh, here we go again. Like, of course, my body feels like shit. I've been eating all this sugar. It's really, I have this motto. I read it on a meme like years and years and years ago. Like, anytime something happens, you just throw your arms up and you say, how interesting. And I just, I just would observe my body and how sugar was impacting it. And it was just, it was such a, how interesting comment. Good to know. When I eat this amount of sugar, this happens and that happens, this, this happens. That's good information to know moving forward. And I feel like when you do build that muscle where you're communicating with your body, are able to hone in on, this makes me feel great. This tastes delicious, but makes me feel bloated the next day. Good to know. Just good to know information about that. This makes me feel shitty. Like it's it's such a different conversation than what am I allowed to have? What am I not allowed to have? What's on the plan? What's a cheat meal? Like none of that is in my vocabulary these days, which is so liberating. I could scream about it. Yeah. No. Oh, gra- glad that you brought up intuitive eating because that I don't have you read the book intuitive eating by chance? No, I haven't. Okay. So that so that's something that I went through too. Very similar to yours. Mine was a little bit different where like because I restricted myself for so many years, like I 
struggled to give myself permission to eat as much as I wanted to eat. And I had to learn that lesson. Like, Liz, like I would I would go to the kitchen table, go to the kitchen and be like, well, I just had dinner. Why do I want more food? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give myself more food. And what I realized for restricting myself for so long, like I didn't even know what my limitations or my capacity for food was. I couldn't even yeah. tell you like, this is how much I should be eating. This is how I feel full. Would I not feel full? And I just had to learn what it meant like to feel full. Like, and what a concept, you know, but so many people can relate to that. Yeah. Like I just vividly remember like holding myself back. Be like, well, I just ate dinner. I'm really, really hungry before bed. Oh, it's bad to be eating before bed. I shouldn't be eating before bed. And I just had all of these restrictions that I had learned from the diet perspective. And I had to completely rewrite that, recalibrate my system to what it meant to eat to what my body's capacity was. And it was one of the most beautiful gifts. And the other thing that I've learned, I don't know if you're anti, your, your friend that's a coach that's talking about that is also, you said anti-diet dietitian. Uh, yes. Something that I learned from my naturopath when I started doing all this work, I also did the intuitive eating route and started doing this stuff. I started working with a naturopath to help balance of my internal things. And what I realized because of my yo YOLO diet, yo-yo dieting situation, I created such an unbalanced, balanced sugar that my glucose levels would go all over the place. And when I actually needed food, my body was trying to find balance. And it was crazy because my head was telling me like, oh, that's bad. You're not supposed to be eating right now. When my my body biologically was just trying to find balance because of the nature that I let everything happen. And this all goes back to what you were saying, like, how beautiful is it that now you can communicate with your body? Like now I see that too. Like if I have sugar to a certain extent, I'm like, oh God, I have a headache. I shouldn't have done that. Or like, not because I should not have done the sugar, but because I just realized that my body's not reacting well. Okay, I'm not going to eat as much next time. Or I should pair it with a fat or I should pair it with protein because my body feels good yeah. in that way. And there was like all these little data points that I had to go through in order to recalibrate my relationship with my body, recalibrate my own system to understand what works for me and what doesn't because the restrictions, the diets, the desire to look a certain way control the narrative in our lives for so long. And I didn't know it was true anymore. Oh my God. It's so true. And that's such a good point. And that that's something that I've learned from Leah as well. Our body, to your point, craves balance. It craves homeostasis. So if for extended periods of time, you are putting your body through extreme dieting and then the opposite side of that coin, your body is actually going to be more inclined to hold on to that fat because it's almost preparing for like, okay, you're probably about to starve me again. Like, yeah, we're holding on to this fat because I don't like being starved because <laughs> like I need nutrients. Like that is important. And I think that's one thing that my heart just melts too is like the more you communicate with your body and kind of get just more intuitively connected with your body, the more you learn that your body at any given second is doing literally tens and thousands of things to not only keep you alive, but to keep you feeling like safe and regulated right now. Like Karina, you, like whoever's listening this, thousands of things. Can everyone just listen to that for a second? Your body is doing things for you. Like that is the most important, one of the most important lines you just dropped this entire conversation. When, and it's, I think that's the thing that makes me so, one of the things that I cite you, Karina, my this is kind of like my bio that I share with people, but I operate on 50% passion, like genuinely help people heal. And I'm 50% rage because I'm so, I'm so mad that we've all been lied to for such a long time. Even just take like the classic, like I would say the number one thing that women with our biggest insecurity is their stomachs because we're trained 
especially in our generation, never mind, especially in every generation. This is not like we're not special for this reason, but we're all supposed to want like flat tummies. And um, so everything we do is like melt the fat away or burn the fat away. Like we're just trying to like do whatever we can to get this fat away, which women actually carry more fat on their lower stomachs. This is not for everyone because nothing's for everyone because everyone's body's so different. And that's what makes us cute. But women tend to carry more fat on our lower because it literally acts as a a pad of protection for our reproductive organs. That is a natural, healthy patch of fat that is there for a purpose. And so many people have been trained for so many decades, like, no, no, it's bad. Get that out of there. It's not attractive. You should be embarrassed to looking tight with that when it's like, this is literally a shield of armor. If you want to look at it that way, this is my shield of armor. And you're going to tell me that it's lovable? Fuck you. Yeah, I learned so many things about human bodies and I just realized like, oh my God, we've been lied to for such a long time for the dumbest reasons, for money and greed and the male gaze. And it just, um, ass, we're unsubscribed. You know, like we're just not, we're just not doing it anymore. I tell about, yeah. I'm to pass. Yeah, I tell about, yeah. No, I think it's, I mean, there's just such another conversation about that. Like living, so my boyfriend's a naturopathic, he's going to school to become a naturopathic doctor which I'm really excited about, but he's also a nutritionist and a health coach and stuff like that. And there's, he has the picture of, this is the crazy part, not that it actually matters, but like, I think the seventies or the sixties when women looked so lean and like, and they ate whatever they wanted. And Nick always talks about, it's like almost like sugar and carbs are good for you. And it's, he says it as if like, there's nothing wrong with all these foods. Like these foods are actually meant to be supportive to our bodies. Like we need sugar. We need carbs. We need fruit. That's one fact. Fruit is a big one. I remember I used to being so scared of fruit because I was like, fruit has so much sugar. I can't be drinking eating fruit. And literally my friend the other day is working with my boyfriend and she was having trouble sleeping at night. And he was like, you should add fruit, more fruit to your diet. She started sleeping well because her bot, her liver needs more fruit to be able to process the things. And oh it's just things like that over and over and lessons now that I'm opening myself up to like, what does my body actually need? What makes me feel the most optimal? All the things that I have been told <laughs> were not good or were put in a situation of this is what's going to quote unquote make you look a certain way or be better for you because of marketing and other BS was wrong, like wasn't supportive. I wouldn't say they were wrong, but I'm going to say that they weren't supportive and they weren't what my body yeah, actually yeah. needed. But something I want to to make sure we highlight, because we've, to- we've talked about a few tools already. We've talked about the intuitive eating, which if anyone hasn't listened, I mean, the book, the intuitive eating book is a great guide. Like there's literally like step by steps that someone can do on their own to go start eating intuitively. That book was, that book saved my life. I swear by it. It's great. It also talks just not how to how to coach like even your kids, like how to honor how much they want to eat and how their bodies eat, because you can experience like your mom or dad saying like, you have to eat all this food today. And that's actually forceful eating. That's not helpful either. And so the book kind of walks through all of that, which I think is awesome. Another I just would love to hear what other tools would be supportive to someone that doesn't feel comfortable in their bodies today, that finds themselves wishing that their body looked a certain way or finds themselves just hiding in any situation whatever room they go in they want to be the smallest they don't want to be seen they don't want to be looked at in a certain way you know they're just hiding 
what yeah. could be some things that they could implement into their lives today to truly support them and at least shifting a little bit? I would say there's two big things to me that stand out. The first one being what you're describing when we're like suffering in silence, that is shame. And shame can, Brene Brown, I think, says something along these lines. Shane, shame, shame. <laughs> Every time I say shame, I end up saying Shane, and it looks like I just fucking hate some guy named Shane, and I'm just talking shit on him all the time. It's so funny to me. Who the fuck is Shane? Just kidding. <laughs> like, oh, shame. Shame can only exist in the darkness. Shame hates to be talked about. The second we like shed any sort of light on shame, we, we out it, we take away its power. So I think so much of what keeps us feeling so lonely and isolated and just defeated when it comes to this conversation is the shame aspect. I would say the number one, one of the number one things is healing out loud. And when I say that, I mean healing in partnership with other people, whether that means doing a course online or hiring a coach, or even if you want to like buddy up with a friend and you guys want to, you know, prep, I don't know, something I think healing out loud and being out loud about it says so much about your intention. And that's, I think, exactly what makes healing out loud so scary, right? Is because like, say something out loud, you're making it known to the universe. And then it's kind of like this, well, yeah, but what if I biff it again? That would be so embarrassing. So we tend to like keep things inside more, but there's no, there's no biffing it in this conversation. There's no failure. You have the rest of your life to practice this stuff. There's no right or wrong way to do it. This is also a linear path. You have your up days. You have your down days. Part of it. You are going to have days where you feel great in the skin that you're in and days that you do not feel that way. The cool, amazing win that is. You know what I mean? But that is to be expected. Again, there's no failing when it comes to this conversation. So long as you are, like we said earlier, are showing up for yourself. The second thing I would say, and this is a tool that's a pretty big staple in Body I Love You, and there's a Body I Love You podcast episode about this too, but it's something that I call the second thought exercise. And I talk about it as much as I do because it's laughably simple, but also super just valuable when it comes to shifting your thoughts. The thing that I, I don't know, whatever, you're going to feel however you're going to feel. Diet culture has literally brainwashed into seeing our bodies in a certain way been intentionally trained to when we look at our reflection of the mirror we are picking out flaws and we are investing investing in changing them rather than actually genuinely liking or even just appreciating what we see so again you have been intentionally actively trained since the day you were born with all of these things that fuck up your body image and your body so de-brainwashing yourself or unlearning those things or learning a valuable thing. And um, so the second thought exercise comes from this place of like, you're not responsible for your first thought. So like, let's say you you look at yourself in the mirror, you notice your double chin. We hear a lot of double chin complaints and you're like, ugh, that double chin's sick. You're not responsible for that first thought. That thought's actually not yours. You are trained to believe that thought over time and all the advertisements and things that you've heard your peers say. So that thought is not yours. question that you get to ask yourself is, is a second thought that I would rather believe instead? Like, what is what is what world would I rather live in? In that world, what do I actually believe about my chin? And this is the part where you really get to meet yourself where you're at. Because some people have it within them to be like, my chin is so cute and it's beautiful. And I have my mom's chin and I'm not, 
for some people that they're not going to be able to get there, in which case you can literally generate a neutral thought of like, this is a human chin. That's a fact. This is a chin. I'm sure you can hear that this is a chin is way more empowering than a double chin I my face. You know what I mean? So it's really this exercise of acknowledging your first thought, acknowledging that it doesn't belong to you, and then really just generating a thought in its place of what would actually serve, what would actually be fun to believe, what would actually be empowering to believe. And the last thing I want to say about that tool, and it's kind of like a, a sneaky little mid step, but whatever your first is, it's not there because it hates you, or it's not there because you hate yourself. You believe that thought because you want to be accepted. And that's actually quite sweet. You know what I mean? Like it's, you were trained at some point in time that having a double chin is not desirable and not being desirable is scary. And that means you're not lovable and all these things. So it's literally your brain trying to be like, we want to be loved and accepted and feel like we belong. Oh, therefore we shouldn't have a double chin. It's trying to protect you. And I think, um, Viewing that through the lens of empathy and compassion versus shame is such a big game changer. So if anyone wants a, a, a full download on that exercise, there's there's an episode of it. Pod. But those are, I would say, the, the kind of starter starter kit. Focus on these things and just keep going. Literally just going. Like I said, you have the rest of your life. You're a body forever. You're going to need to practice this for as long as you have a body. So like you got time, you know. There's still time. There's a lot of time for that. I love those were all so good. I really I really loved like identifying the shame. I think that's where people get stuck so deeply in the spirals. They don't realize that they're shaming themselves. They're getting hard on themselves. Shame is one of the biggest ones. But when you start to heal out loud, which that's an incredible line, like you start putting it out there. But there's also a sense of like they're no longer just within me, you know, and you can like, yeah, and talking to your friend about it. Like it's so healing once you can just put it out there it's scary as fuck I'm not saying it's not scary it is terrifying sometimes to say like this is true but there is this sense of like ah i said it you know you might have some emotional vulnerability hangover afterwards but it's worth it and then yeah like, that that practice that you gave us is just such a good practical tool to acknowledge the first thought as is and then choose another thought that serves you so yeah, if anyone wants to listen to those, you can totally listen to that to Body I Love You. I think that would be on the Body I Love You podcast. So you can just look at that directly. Um, but yeah, I feel like this has been such an incredible conversation. Sydney, is there anything else that you want to share with anyone else listening to the podcast episode? And then I would love for you to share how can someone connect with you? And if there's anything that's coming up, that they could jump on if they would be interested in starting to just start loving their bodies and starting setting some intentional time to fight for themselves. Yeah, I think the first thing that I really want your listeners to hear is for that thing or those things, whatever that is about your body that you feel insecure about, you're so normal. Yes, even that thing, <laughs> like whatever, like wherever your brain goes of like this thing. Is, yep, it is. You are so normal. The only thing that makes you feel not normal is the fact that we don't talk about this shit. And we're here right now because we're talking about it. Whatever your thing is, you are so fucking normal. Please just know that. Uh, the best place, well, first of all, Corinna, if you ever want to invite me back, I feel like having a conversation around the male gaze and body expectations and boobs and all that stuff, I think it's such an important conversation. Maybe I'll even invite you on my podcast and we can chat about that because I feel like that would, it's, 
it's such a huge slice of this conversation, as well as I'm sure 17 other themes that we didn't get to tackle today. I mean, there's like so many other ways you could talk about this. I mean, this is just so many. But this, I think these are these are the seeds to get the part conversation started, you know. And I think yeah. this is where we get to talk about it from all different angles, you know, and yeah. different perspectives. Yeah. So I would love for you to come back on anytime onto the podcast. If you want to have me on, that's also great. I'm here for that. Beautiful. Hell yeah. Love it. People can find me on Instagram. I'm probably on my personal Instagram more than anything else. And that handle is my coach Sid, S-Y-D. Body I Love You also has an Instagram spelled exactly as it sounds. If you want to head to bodyiloveyou.com, we have free resources. We have all of our information. You can get to the podcast that way. If you want to sign up for our email chain, I send out a weekly love letter from your body, which is just a cool thing that we're not used to seeing in our inboxes and they've been so fun to write. So let me know if you want in on that. We do have a, we're calling it Billy Bingo, written by your cool auntie. <laughs> we're trying to challenge people in the month of December. I just know that it can be such a challenging time for people for such a vast number of reasons, especially when it comes to like body image stuff and self-care, it just can feel so defeating. So we're going to have a bingo challenge going for the month. And it's just fun things. Some of the things are going to push you out of your comfort zone. Some of the things are simple self things. Some are things that are like tips and tricks of, you know, how to carry yourself or carry conversations or whatever. It's just going to be so fun. But yeah, after the after the new year, we're going to have a social hour where we can just kind of like chat about what the bingo created for you and just all the challenges. And if you get bingo, you're entered into a raffle to win a one on one session with one of our body at love you coaches to really kind of plan out your 2024 or truly whatever request you have to bring to the situation. The sky is the limit. And um, for anyone who might be interested in Body I Love You, like I said, check out our website. And we have new groups launching late January and late February, which I'm so excited about. So yeah, mm-hmm. hope to see hope to see you guys around. All right, my love, I'm jumping in here real quick to tell you about the Fully Express community because the women that are in this group are phenomenal. And if you're listening to this and you're a lady, a female, or know someone that is female or a lady that is on this path of growth and wanting to continue to evolve as a human being and find their fullest authentic expression in their relationships and their life and their business and relationships and want to be surrounded by a community of women that are dedicated to doing the work themselves, I want you in this community. I want to invite you into this community. I really think that being surrounded by other women that are on the same path that just get you, that just totally understand where you're coming from or where you're going or where you want to go and wherever that path is and create such a safe space for you to be held in that and encouraged in that is so important for our healing. If you find yourself feeling an ounce or a sprinkle of anxiety or overwhelmed or just uneasiness with the thought of being in a group container about talking about very vulnerable things. I just want to encourage you and remind you that I totally understand. I totally get it. It can be edgy. It can be scary to open yourself in that way. But in doing so, you end up creating so much more healing. I've had some of the biggest breakthroughs being in containers that can hold me and being surrounded by other women that are also on this path because I feel like I'm seen and understood. And so I truly want to invite you into giving it a chance. I'm also offering one month free if you leave a review of the podcast and you will get access to the next second Wednesday 
to join us. So go ahead and leave a review and I will send you the invitation to see you so you can actually get a taste of what it feels like to be within the community. Again, come join us in the Muffoli Express community where you only don't hear from myself and get teachings and somatic practices and meditations and guiding and network nervous system regulation, but you also get to learn from renowned practitioners, healers, coaches, etc., that are doing the thing in this world and they have gifts to share with you about what is available to you and you get to take that and crack the code for yourself and how that applies to your life and how that applies to your relationships and how that applies to your business and your brand, your career, etc. Because for all of us women, I really do envision a world not only for the betterment of ourselves, of why we live on this earth, but as well as our community, as our collective, as the human being, a human population, really bringing and opening arms to the woman that is fully expressed, that is living in her power, that is so confident and bold, and as well as such in her feminine and vulnerable and soft and open to creating that space. And so here we're going to be surrounded by other women that want that and that crave that and have this burning desire to be on that path. So come join us, leave a review if you want to join for the next one for free. And I hope to see you there. I think anyone that's listening, if you're open to, I think one of the things that helped me get to a place of like feeling free and fully express my body was putting myself in containers similar to what you're creating, was looking for opportunities that made me feel uncomfortable, was looking for something that would keep me accountable in being uncomfortable and doing the scary, edgy things. Because that's where I ended up creating, I mean, I talk about this as nervous system regulation and somatics perspective, but it created capacity for me to be able to step into. And I think the bingos and the the containers that you've created, like truly give us an opportunity to meet our edge in ways that we don't know that we needed and that we get to experience. So I'm so excited that you've created just programs like that. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for being like fully expressed as yourself and just creating a guide for women to start to feel more confident in their bodies so that they can start living a life more fully expressed through their bodies and in so many different ways from like confidence to sexuality. I mean, these tools can impact you on so many levels. And I think it's so important to recognize that it's possible. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing for your community. Even just sharing your story and being vulnerable out loud has wild healing power. So I just really, really commend what you're up to. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you.